really excited to continue in our uh, current teaching series on waiting well. Uh, Pastor Andrew has been leading us in lessons that we can take away and learn during this current season of global pandemic. And what is God teaching us through our, our grievances and losses right now? Well, um, this morning, I want to continue in teaching about what some might say is the greatest loss that we will have to grieve, and that's our limits. Our limits. You see, limits are behind our every loss. So whether we're looking at the loss of control, you know, for many of us, this world has been turned upside down. And the illusion of control that we've had has been blown away. Truly, only God is sovereign. We have limits as people. Maybe you've experienced um, a new pace. And we talked about uh, the loss of busyness for some of us. For others, it's been an unusually busy time. But the pace of life has changed. And we didn't initiate it. Only God has the ability to hold all things in God's hands. Maybe it's the, the loss of approval. You know, the things that were normal, the routines and our places of service and all of that's been shifted. You see, only God is the one that truly is worth seeking for approval. So this morning, as we talk about these limits, I want to first uh, give you a list of limits. <laughs> I've uh, been working on this for a while. It's something that I've found myself um, being refreshed in even recently. Uh, yeah, limits that we have as humans. Well, first of all, I won't go through the whole list. I've got seven. It's a good number. Uh, but I'll just highlight a few. Uh, like our physical bodies. Our bodies has, have limits. We're all aging. And there's not a plastic surgery you can have that's going to slow down the aging process. Diets, exercise, we have to eat, we have to sleep, but we're all slowly dying. And soon we return to the dust. Our bodies have limits. You know, we have limits when it comes to family of origin or, or culture of origin. All of us, whether ethnicity, culture, uh, country of origin, we've inherited a set of gifts, but also limits. I think about uh, financial wealth and prosperity, our intellectual capacity. You know, we would all love to think that we can be brilliant in all subjects. You know, if we could all be brilliant in mathematics and physics and carpentry. But there's only one. There's only one. That's God. We have limits. And we even have limits uh, when it comes to work and relationships. Yeah. I mean, work, God says, will always be with thorns and thistles. Work will always be hard. And it will always be undone. We will die with work left undone. We grieve that. We also grieve relationships that are imperfect wouldn't it be great if we had a perfect world where everyone loved each other? Even this past week, I'm reminded of three stories that just make my heart break. This, this shows us that our world is still 
don't know how to love each other. You know, uh, there was an Asian-American woman who was attacked by three young African-American men in Minneapolis for no random reason. Native American people, Navajo people are suffering disproportionately because of this coronavirus, because of the historic broken treaties in our country. They continue to be underserved. And then many are still getting their minds around why another innocent black man was gunned down just trying to jog. Wouldn't it be great if these relationships didn't have so many limitations? So we grieve that. We grieve it. You know, the one big limit that we all experience is a limit in our spiritual understanding. Yeah. The word says that only God is the one who holds the mysteries. And truly, God has revealed himself through the word, by the Holy Spirit, and even through nature. But there are mysteries about God that are incomprehensible. We'll never know. We'll never be God. You see, that's what these limits remind us of, that we're not God. Even Job, I, I preached about and talked about Job a few, few weeks ago. Yeah, Job, with all of his wealth, with all of his fame, even with all of his favor with God, he was not God. He had to be reminded of his limits, and so do we. But I believe behind these limits, there are gifts that God has provided for us if we'll do one thing. And that's surrender. Surrender. I want to open a word of prayer before I go any further. I see myself um, drifting. So, God, I want to ask you by your spirit uh, to allow my words to be from you. Allow my heart to be impressed by you. Thank you that you are everything. Be my audience of one this morning. May the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. You are my Lord, my strength, and my redeemer. I love you and pray this in your name. Bless you, Jesus. Amen. So embracing the gift of limits is a key biblical truth that I want to share with you this morning that I would love for you to hold on to. There's nothing else that you remember. And that is, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been given limits from God as a gift to protect us from the arrogance and illusion that we can be God. I'll say it again for those in the back who didn't hear that one. Uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, we've been given limits. And they're a gift to protect us from the arrogance and the illusion that we can be God. I believe in scripture, um, there's a brother that models what embracing these gifts as limits um, is all about. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out and join me in the gospel of John. In John, written by the apostle John, we're going to talk about another John who happened to be the cousin of Jesus. You see, the Gospels give us a beautiful narrative of the birth, the life, the ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But there's one individual 
who's very special. He's called the forerunner of the Messiah, better known as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. Well, he's the cousin of Jesus, and I believe John exemplifies what embracing our, our limits really looks like. And so we get a snapshot of John in chapter 1, in verse 6 and verse 7. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify of the light. This is John, forerunner of Jesus. Now, later on in verse 19, we learn how John's ministry in baptizing people was growing. The crowds, multitudes were coming to, into the wilderness to be baptized by John at the Jordan River. And as his popularity grew, the word got out to the church leaders in Jerusalem. And they sent priests and Levites to check out John's ministry, to find out who are you? And who do you think you are? <laughs> so John, understanding what all the fuss was about, said to them clearly, I am not the Messiah. I don't think that I'm God. I'm just one sent to bear witness of him. Because there is one among you who I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. But I'm not God. Well, so are you Elijah? They asked him. Are you a prophet? He said, no, I'm not. I am one. He says, crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He was quoting Isaiah there. I'm not God. You see, John understood who he was. Well, later on in chapter 3, that's where we're going to uh, look today. That's our key passage this morning. We're going to look at John chapter 3, beginning at verse 25. We see another scene unfold. And the text says, uh, now there arose an occasion where there was a dispute between some of John's disciples and a man over purification. And so uh, if you join me in verse 25, it says that, you know, you ever have one of those moments when you just lose your place in the Bible? <laughs> So thankful that pages flip. Okay. Just let me find that page. In chapter 3, verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness... Look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. Well, John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. For you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Oh, he must increase. 
but I must decrease. Hmm. I want to share two, just a couple of points um, that I believe John exemplifies when it when we talk about embracing our limits as gifts. And the first is in verse 27, when John says, you know, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it be given from heaven. You see, John was embracing, but first he was surrendering to the will of God. I believe surrender precedes embracing. He was recognizing that his place, his role was given to him from God. And he was content with that. But that wasn't setting well with his disciples who were making a big fuss like, John, look at this, man. Look what's happening. You know, the guy that you, you know, the, the one that you even baptized. Everybody's going to him. You see, his disciples had recognized something that, that things were changing. The popularity they were receiving from being, you know, Followers of the rabbi that was in had shifted, and they weren't really good with that. Now, John's response to them shows that he had accepted and even surrendered to this new season that was upon them. Now, think about where we're in right now in this season of pandemic. It is truly a new season, a season marked with decline and death like a winter season. And God, being the God of seasons, who ordains them to start, be sustained, and end on his will, has placed us in this new season. And I wonder how you are responding to the season. Are you taking time to grieve in this season? It's a season of death. But winter always sets us up for anticipation of a spring. But we have to first be in this season. John's disciples did not want to be in this season. They missed what used to be. Yet John, also secondly, he gives them a picture of this wedding, right? A wedding where their bridegroom is the one who has the bride. But it's the bridegroom's friend who he says here is rejoicing at the sound and the voice of the bridegroom. And John's reminding them, that's, that's my role. I'm the bridegroom's friend. And I found joy in this. So he's not just accepting his role. His heart is full of joy. So he's, in fact, embracing his place, God's will, with joy. Not just, you know, sulking, like, okay, I guess his turn, you know. No, he's saying, my joy is now complete. He must increase. I must decrease. I've had my time. Reminds me of how, you know, how comedians usually have someone to go out on stage first to get the crowd warmed up, right? Because he knows these cheers aren't really for him or for her. They're for the one waiting backstage. John says, my time here is complete. He must increase. I must decrease. So he was willing to accept with joy the role God had given him. You know, that's something that we oftentimes struggle with, embracing the season that we're in, trusting God's will. I love how uh, Andrew Murray writes in Absolute Surrender. He says, like, who is God? Well, he's the fountain of life, the only source of existence, of power, 
and goodness. And throughout the universe, there's nothing good but what God works. God has created the sun and the moon, the stars and flowers and trees and grass. And are they not absolutely surrendered to God? Do they not allow God to work in them just as he pleases? When God clothes the lily with its beauty, is it not yielded up, surrendered, given over to God to work in its beauty? You see, all of creation and the seasons bow and surrender to God's will. The question becomes, what about us as the beloved and redeemed children of God? Are we surrendered? You know, this surrender is not an invitation for us to do it in our own strength. No, surrender is actually an invitation for the Holy Spirit to do the Spirit's work in us. Surrender is this deep work within us that the Spirit does to transform our will to God's will. Surrender. That's what God expects of us. God expects absolute surrender. God claims absolute surrender. God will give us absolute surrender as we yield ourselves to him. John was yielded. John lived a surrendered life. I wonder about us. Again, in this season, you know, it's, it's tough to accept what's happening right now. We don't like it. We want the season to pass. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's a world turned upside down right now. We've lost control. We have no timetable when this is going to end. People are predicting, but I believe it's just false hope. It's much easier to keep putting out dates and wondering when than just accept what God might be doing right now. You see, surrendering to God's will is one thing. The total contrast we also see in Scripture. Yeah, we see in Scripture how people uh, oftentimes act like babies, myself included, big old babies. When we can't have our way, when we don't get our will. It reminds me as a, as a young parent, um, Bev and I, with our, our firstborn, Ivana, we had to learn real quickly and teach her quickly that the world did not revolve around her. As beautiful as she was, and as much as she had me wrapped around her finger, she had to learn that she wasn't the center of anybody's universe. That's a hard lesson for children, sometimes harder for parents and for all of us. That's a painful lesson because many of us struggle with an inflated ego. Yeah. And we find ourselves arrogantly thinking that we're God. We demand from others what only God can fulfill. We even have these larger fantasies in our minds that our real lives can't support. And as a result, we work ourselves frantic, trying to do more that God even intended for us, totally passing by our limits. And that stress that that creates leads us to put unreasonable pressure on others and depression on us. So I love my, my dear mentor, Pastor Pete, says... Uh, Getting off of our thrones and letting God be God 
while joining the rest of humanity is the true essential work of Christian maturity. That's why learning to grieve biblically is essential. Grieving these limits that God has given us and in being able to do that, actually find the joy that he intended. I'm finding that as a parent and as a pastor, this is one of my uh, most important works, shepherding people into understanding their limits. Because in order, to, in order to fully embrace these limits given from God, we have to choose a surrender. You know, we even see in scripture people who, who chose not to surrender to God's will. I mean, isn't how this, this all began in, in Genesis with Adam and Eve? The deception and the doubt that led to disobedience was because they chose not to believe that God was actually trying to protect them from the idea of being like God. Later on in Genesis, Abram and Sarah, his wife, have the same issue. Rather than believing God's promise that he would actually birth a nation through them, through Sarai, they took matters into their own hands and birthed Ishmael. You know, I, I pray that in this season right now, as we're waiting on God, that you will wait well and not birth an Ishmael in your haste, in your impatience. I know this is hard. John understood the hardness of the season. That He understood the weight of his calling as forerunner. His life didn't end with a glorious parade. No, it didn't. So this call to surrender is one that's marked with a need for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through it. So I wonder, has your unwillingness to surrender caused you to push past your limits with your time, with your heart, I want to invite you to uh, a renewed place of surrender, even today. I'm going to close in prayer as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. That God might remind you of his promises. That yes, winter is upon us, but there's always the promise of spring. And maybe right now there are seeds that we aren't able to see that God is that God has planted in us that are that, that need time to grow. We can't rush that process. We can't rush what God is doing on the inside. That's where the work happens on the inside. We can't see it right now. That's where the Spirit is working, just like He worked with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the time for him to come to the reason of his mission and Jesus cried out in agony and pain because he understood what this would mean. He understood the cup he was about to drink. But he didn't do it alone. The father had his place, but the spirit was right there with Jesus working in him, just giving him strength to keep going forward. I'm reminding of that. That's the savior that we have that's inviting us to surrender. So gracious God, thank you that your voice oftentimes rings out even clearer in the dead of winter. 
how winter gives us a chance to see things oftentimes clearer as all the trees have fallen off, the, the, the leaves are, are, are not there anymore. We can see sometimes even clearer through those forest and dark places that we're in. Lord, you're there with us and you're here with us now. So we look to you and invite you by your spirit to help us to get to a place of trust and surrender with you. Thank you that you're long-suffering and patient and kind. Thank you that your work with us, you promise to bring it to completion. We love you so much and thank you. Thank you that you're the God that sees us and hears us. Oh God, in this season, there are so many that are enduring hard things right now. God, I want to lift up families that are packed in tight because their whole world has blended in together. Work, parenting, marriage, it's a blended mess right now, God, and they need your help. There are many of our people, God, that are alone and isolated, and all the normal connections with family and friends has been taken away. Will you meet them where they are, God, and remind them that you see and you hear them? God, as a church, we long to be together. You hear this. You know this, God. Our prayers aren't to inform you. It's our, our willingness to cry out to you, to allow you space to move in our hearts. We surrender. We say yes. We yield to you. And bless you. Even today, in Jesus' name, we pray with great expectation. Amen.